It is Holy Week, and this Sunday is Easter, and this Sunday is our Our Time Commitment. And today, you're going to get to hear the story of a couple of missionaries that your Our Time giving will go to help send to an unreached people group in North Africa. That's right. Uh, today, we're not talking about the building. We're talking about the sending. The people that your Our Time giving is going to send to the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus. So sit back. You're going to enjoy the podcast today as I talk with Jacob and Devin Miller. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Well, it is Holy Week here at Real Life, and uh, there is no JV. JV has a busy couple of weeks uh, over at uh, Townsend Title and at Vincent Law. So we're actually over at my study. And I say we because I've got a couple of special guests I'm going to introduce shortly. But let's talk about what's coming up at Real Life. So this Sunday is Easter. Oh, my goodness, I'm so excited. Uh, Easter, we've got three services, three worship services. Some of you are going to be there all day serving. Thank you. You know who you are. Uh, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11. So, um, you know, one of the things I'm struck by is how many people in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, do not know the Lord do not regularly gather with his people for worship. So uh, this weekend is a prime time on the calendar year for you to inquire, to ask, to probe, to invite, to influence, to get people in the house of God, to experience the presence of God, to hear the good news of the gospel. So uh, praying for you, real lifers and friends, uh, embrace this moment. Uh, this Sunday is also our Time Commitment Sunday. And if you've been uh, checking in with us at Real Life, you know what that means. Um, church, we've been praying for you uh, because uh, we know that the Lord wants to do something uh, new and fresh and powerful in your life as you trust Him on new levels of generosity with our time. And so uh, so our, our special guests that I'll introduce in just a moment uh, have a direct connection to our church, to our time, and uh, it's just going to really tie things in. So uh, church, just want you to know, if you haven't yet, talk with your spouse. If you haven't yet, get on your knees. If you haven't yet, contemplate how the Lord is leading you for our time. In our worship service this Sunday morning, in all three worship services, There'll be a sacred moment uh, where folks will be invited to offer their Our Time commitments, their two-year expanded giving commitments. Um, so we just can't wait to see how this uh, unfolds. The The Sunday after, we're going to be, Lord willing and weather permitting, we're going to be on the land uh, with our Sunday after Easter party at 10 a.m. And any friend that you invite to church on Sunday morning that's there for the first time, will get a free voucher to feed their whole family through the awesome food trucks on the Sunday after Easter party. Um, so anybody you meet, just say, hey, we're having a big party with food trucks. We want to feed you. Come join me with Easter. You'll get a free voucher. Um, what a cool celebration. On the Sunday after Easter party on the land, we'll be announcing what our, our time commitments uh, have been. So it'll be a great day of celebration. Um, you don't want to miss it. Uh, it's great food trucks, great time of worship, uh, bounce houses for the kids. It's just, um, it's just going to be a party. Uh, so thanks for tuning into the podcast today. Uh, JV is not here, but we do have special guests, Jacob and Devin Miller. What is up, you two? Oh, good, morning. good morning, everybody. Thank you for having us, Freddie. Yeah, how you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing, gal? Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> All right, now what? Now the one that we don't have in our midst right now is Precious Pearl, mm -hmm. your little one. How old is she? She is 15 months. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we keep track of months now. Yeah. yeah. Who's got Pearl today? 
My mom. Uh, She's a rock star. You really got to twist her arm, huh? Yeah. Coerce. <laughs> um, Jacob and Devin, if you've been around real life uh, for long, then you know who these friends are. Um, but if you're new to real life, then Jacob and Devin will be new to you. So we're just going to spend some time getting to know them and hearing their story. And uh, it is so cool having you guys here. Why don't you guys tell us briefly just a little about yourself and um, where did you grow up and who made up your family and um, when and how did you come to know Jesus? So there you go. Just you, and they're pointing at each other. I wish you could see this because they... <laughs> Jacob and Devin immediately started pointing at each other. And Daniel Cox, DJ Daniel Cox, is waving at us. Now he's pointing at us. I'm having trouble with this microphone. Which one? Daniel's having trouble with a microphone. So we're going to fix this. So podcast listeners, uh, hang in there with me. We're doing some technical... uh, uh, What do you got, Daniel? What do you got, DJ? Some shenanigans. (laughs) We're going to keep the recording going. This is where we'll edit out. Okay, and we're back. Daniel just sprinkled his Daniel dust over this, over these <laughs> microphones, and voila, it's back. So, Jacob and Devin, you were about to tell us a little bit about yourselves, where mm-hmm. you were born, and um, when and how you came to know Christ, a little bit about your family. Um, and you were pointing at each other, saying, you go first. So, paper, rock, scissors. Okay, yeah, Jacob, I'll, there you I'll go. start. I'm the local guy. So, I was born uh, in Pleasant View, Tennessee, just down the road from Sango. I have a mom and a dad. That's how I was born. And I have one older sister. She's seven years older. So, quite a big age gap between us. Uh, grew up in the church always. And also went to a Christian school. So, that was... Everything was church-related yeah, uh, wow. and everything that I did. So I would say at age 15 of change of schools, change of churches, uh, a lot of life changes uh, led me to finally surrendering to the Lord. There was that old Jesus culture song, You Won't Relent. You won't relent until you have it all. My heart is yours. And I remember lifting my hands for the first time, like, I don't care if I look cool or not. I'm giving it all to Jesus. And that was the moment where faith became my own and not my family's. Age 15. Age 15. Yeah, beautiful. Your yeah. sister, does she live around here? She lives in Memphis, Tennessee now. Yeah, yeah. your folks, are. What? where do they live? They still live in Pleasant View. Yeah. Childhood home. Yeah, yeah. Have a little bit of land, so it's nice to get out of the city and Yeah, so your, your first connection to real life, to our church, is that you were a part of First Baptist Church Jolton. Yeah. And, uh, and so First Baptist Church Jolton was really instrumental in helping real life start. Absolutely. So you were a part of our core team in those early days. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Devin, who are you, girl? I was born not from Tennessee, in Orlando, <laughs> Florida. Um, and I was raised by a mom and a dad, and I have an older sister as well. Um, and I became a Christian my senior year of high school. So I have a little bit of a different story than Jacob. And my parents raised me in Christian science, which is now deemed as a cult. Um, But at age 17, I was radically saved. Um, And so I had a a really cool college years where I was discipled by a roommate and grew in the Lord um, and then went overseas. Where did you go to college? I went to the University of Central Florida and got my bachelor's in social work. Could you tell us a little more about the circumstances surrounding when you became a Christian? Yeah. So my mom dealt with a lot of health issues, um, which led her to leave Christian science and go to a non-denominational church. And so that was in my middle school years. And she was saved um, and regularly attended on Sundays. Now I had the choice to either go with my dad or my mom, and the non-denominational church that she went to had, like, this really cool bulletin that had, like, puzzles and stuff in it, and so I would just spend the services totally uninterested in the preaching and uh, would fill out the bulletins and things like that. So parents, if your kids are doing that, the Lord will still use it. Yeah. Um, and then it was my senior year 
I was dating a guy who loved the Lord, and he kept trying to tell me about the gospel, and I just kept telling him, no, I don't believe it. And my mom was praying, and she had her whole like prayer group praying for my dad, my sister, and myself. And one Sunday, um, they did an altar call, and I do not remember standing up. And I do not remember walking down. But all I remember was coming to and looking around, and I was down at the front weeping and telling the Lord I wanted to follow him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you, how old were you? Your senior year? Yeah, I was 17. So amazing. Yeah. The mm-hmm. Lord captured your heart. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He just took over. In that moment. So so you were saved at that point, and, and then shortly after that, you went to University of Central Florida. So how did you link up with a roommate that was discipling you? So I was originally going to play lacrosse in college, um, but in that, after I was saved, the Lord gave me this courage to say no to that dream that I wow, had. So yeah. I turned down scholarship opportunities and told my parents I'm staying local, which was a shock to them. Um, And then I signed up for a healthy lifestyle dorm, which meant no partying, which I did plenty of in high school, Uh, no partying, no having opposite sex stay over. And so I had three other roommates who had that same focus. And one was a girl who was a Southern Baptist girl, and her name was Brooke. And she took me under her wing, and she was pledging a Christian sorority. So I joined her and made my community that way. I mean, I learned how to read the Bible for the first time in my dorm room with her. So cool. All right. So uh, you did you did you graduate from University of Central Florida? Yes. And then you said you moved overseas. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Um, I moved overseas shortly after graduation, like three months later. I packed my bags and left for a year, but that was my third time going overseas. My church that I was saved at had a real missions focus, so I had done a couple of short-term trips in college to Egypt and felt the Lord confirm a calling to just go overseas and serve the Lord, sharing the gospel with people who don't know Him. Let me just, this is a little funny thing. So I take my boys when they're like 12, 13, on these man trips. So Jack's been on his, Elliot's been on his, Parker will be next, but he's, Parker is 10 years old, uh, but he wants to go to Egypt on his man trip. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like I took Jack to Oregon, I took Elliot to Ohio, Parker wants to go to Egypt. Go Parker. That, sound, that sounds like, like the baby child, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. I just want to go out of the country. I, Okay, so you went on a couple of uh, short-term trips. Well, when you were going now overseas, what, where were you going? What were you going to do? I was going to Zimbabwe to use my degree um, through a different organization that took young professionals and put them in their degree field. So I was going to be a social worker in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe. What, what, why in the world Zimbabwe? Did you just like pull out a map and, you know, you hear these stories. How much time do you have? Well, no. you hear these stories, seriously, like if people like, you know, pulling out a map. And just kind of, you know, uh, on our last podcast, we had a guy and he said he filled out this online form about the best place to retire where you ask, answer all these questions and then it tells you. And it literally told him Clarksville, Tennessee. <laughs> what? So he moved from he, he moved from Wisconsin to Clarksville because of an online survey. Wow. So how in the world did you get to Zimbabwe? Why Zimbabwe? Yeah. I originally was going to Egypt after college, um, but they had their Arab Spring at the time. So I was still planning on going into the country, but the Holy Spirit convicted me and told me I had made an idol out of going into the Middle East and being a missionary to Muslims. And my identity had been so wrapped up in that and not him. So I had two weeks of really painfully surrendering a dream. And in that process, God still told me to go. Um, And so I stayed with the same organization, and I looked alphabetically at all of the countries, 250 different places to go and different opportunities to work. And I got to Zimbabwe, the last alphabetically, 
on the list and it had a position open for a community support worker. And instantly the supernatural peace flooded my body. And I said, okay, I'm going to Zimbabwe. No idea where it was on a map. And I was going five months later. Isn't this amazing? Romans 8 tells us that that God's spirit will testify with our spirit that we are children of God. And the spirit of God gave you this peace that Zimbabwe was the place. Now, some of our podcast listeners, they're going to be chewing on what you just said about having made your identity of being a missionary in Egypt an idol. They're going to be chewing on that for some time because so many of our podcast listeners, like the idea of leaving everything that's comfortable and going to a foreign place, to a foreign culture, it's like the hardest thing, God, please don't send me to another country where I have to learn a different language or eat a different food or dress a different way. And so here it is, like, you so wanted that, and you wanted it too much. And so so folks right now, their minds are bending because they're like, you know, A, I don't want that. <laughs> God, please don't send me. So how in the world could someone ever get to the place where they want that too much? And in, in, I think it's really relevant and really practical because so many people end up finding their identity in what they do or what they're, or they make an idol out of what they're dreaming about or their goals. So can you just like unpack that just a little bit about how had it become an idol for you? Yeah, I had taken so much pride and I found this delight in the way people looked at me when I said, I'm going to go to Egypt. And people thought, oh my gosh, the single young woman. And I found it fulfilled a part of me um, in in like people pleasing to a degree yes. in the Christian world and looking for my affirmation in people. And that was not what the Lord had. Yeah. He wanted to meet me in that way. Yeah. He wanted to satisfy me beyond the richest of foods. He wanted yeah. to give me a new name, not what other people were going to give me. Um, and so it was a really slow process of being like intertwined with this calling and identity. And then the Lord just had to break it off of me to realize, no, I'm, I'm clay in his hand. I'm not the potter creating my own destiny. He is. Um, and that was kind of what was taking place in that season for me. Yeah. I think so many people can relate to that. I think so many people are in bondage to people pleasing mm-hmm. and they don't walk in the liberty of the Lord being able to make decisions with no fear of what other people are going to think. And you weren't afraid of what other people were going to think. That's what you wanted. Like you wanted what other people thought. I can so relate because so many of my early preaching experiences were met with such encouragement. But all of that encouragement, it like became like a drug to me. And it was like, oh, this is what happens when I preach a good sermon? Oh, let me keep doing this. Now, I wasn't thinking that consciously, really. Like it was kind of happening without me realizing it. So when I began to preach every Sunday for the first time, I would get depressed every afternoon. Every afternoon. And it had come with like for years I'd been like the traveling like retreat preacher where you show up and you're the rock star for the weekend. Well, now you're like the everyday, you know, where you preach and everybody goes to lunch and it's like ho-hum, you, yeah. you know. And and it took me uh, it took me about three years of doing that and crashing on Sunday in this depression. It took a long time for me to realize I was preaching for the pleasure of men, mm-hmm. not for the pleasure of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so by God's grace, that was shifted. Is that something like what you experienced? Yes, very much so. Um, like you said, you weren't consciously aware of doing it. So I wasn't consciously aware that I was finding my satisfaction in what other people thought of me until the Lord had to convict me of it. And I'm so grateful he did because I didn't, I didn't go 
and have to go to Egypt and get it stripped while I was there. Like God gave me the courage and the boldness to do it while I was still stateside. And then he used Zimbabwe to kind of be that everyday grind that you're talking about and just being faithful to be that ho-hum worker, like where you're kind of ignored at times and you're not the the main star of the show. You play the background a little bit more. Um, so that was definitely what you touched on was accurate in my, in my perspective. So great. I'm talking to Jacob and Devin Miller today on the podcast. And uh, Jacob and Devin are missionaries that our church supports. Um, Jacob was sent out out of our church, and we're going to talk more about that. But this is why I'm talking about them is so that you, real life, can get to know the hearts and the stories of Jacob and Devin. They've they've returned from Zimbabwe. They're living in the States, and they're preparing to go to God's next assignment. Um, And so we're just getting to know them. So thanks for listening and tuning in. Okay, so Devin, you moved to Zimbabwe. What happened next? A lot of challenges. (laughs) Um, What year was this? This was 2013. Okay. How Uh, old were you? I had my 22nd birthday the second week I was there. Okay. And you moved to Zimbabwe. What did your what did your folks think? They were happy it wasn't Egypt. Okay. Okay. Why was uh, that why is that? Because of the Arab Spring that was taking place. Can they, you explain the Arab Spring? So in 2011, I'm not an expert on this by any means, but in 2011 all throughout the Middle East, um, rulers and governments were being overthrown by the people. And in Egypt, they were having um, one of their major uprisings where they did, in fact, overthrow the government to a degree. Um, And that was in 2011. I was visiting there when it happened. Um, And there was residual effects in 2013 when I was still looking at going. So they were excited that you were in Zimbabwe and not in Egypt. Yes. So what happened once you hit the ground in Zimbabwe as a 22-year-old young woman? I lived with... Thankfully, I was with an organization, so they really broke ground on kind of protocols. So I was living with a local family. I was working at a Baptist church there, running a soup kitchen, being a part of their family home visits. Um, And in that time, the Lord um, really opened my eyes to homeless boys, and I began um, feeling the Lord's calling to work with them. Wow. You just began to see these boys. Your heart broke with compassion. So the Lord's stirring your heart. So then I I kind of know kind of the rest of the story, but can you tell us just in brief form, God stirs your heart. So then give us the next six, seven, eight years. <laughs> yeah. So I started with my best friend over there. So I really do believe God calls you out two by two. Um, and so he used my best friend, Colleen. Where do you get that? Uh, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. It's beautiful. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so I started with my best friend, Colleen, and the Holy Spirit just started directing us to these boys who are culturally viewed as cursed in their society because they're on the streets. Some of them by their own choices, some of them by others and their choices. So for the last... It's been nine years now. Um, We have been working with homeless boys, evangelizing, church planting, meeting physical needs, schooling, housing, counseling. It's taken on a variety of faces. But our main thing that we always said was we want to teach these guys how to know God. Mm. Not forcing it down their throats, but that the Lord in his kindness would open up their hearts and soften them and give them hearts of flesh so that they could know him. So when you went to Zimbabwe for the first time, it was a year-long commitment. Is that correct? Yes, that's and correct. And did Colleen go with you at that time? No, she okay. she visited me. Okay. And then she ended up coming out after six months and living with my same host family, and she just prayed. So during every- that year... God begins to stir your heart to stay there and plant a ministry loving and leading these homeless boys. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So at what point in time did you guys kind of make it a formal ministry? And was that at the end of that year? You guys, okay, we're going to do this? Yes. So that was, that started that year. Um, so that now we're talking 2014. And Colleen and I went back to the States after I fulfilled my year-long commitment 
And I started a job in Florida as a social worker with homeless youth. And in that period that we were both back in the States, we were both getting all of the documents ready to start a 501c3, getting everything in order for us to return. Yeah, amazing. The, the name of the ministry that you guys started, you called it? Because He Loves. And so you and Colleen move back to Zimbabwe and you begin this ministry. Um, just real briefly, uh, from that time, how long did you live in Zimbabwe? From the time you moved back with Colleen, you're counting on your fingers. If people can see, you're adding it <laughs> I know, up. I'm terrible with math, but seven, approximately seven, seven ah, years. The biblical number of perfection. There we go, <laughs> there we go. Um, so you lived in Zimbabwe for seven years, uh, leading this ministry. Um, how were you paid? How did you eat? Where did that come from? Were you just living homelessly with the boys on the street and digging out of garbage cans? I mean, how did that work? Um. We felt from the beginning the Lord tell us that he would meet all of our needs if we just sought him. And we prayed, and we just prayed for everything, and the Lord always met our needs. So we've seen money multiply. We've had people write us checks that we weren't asking for, but we were asking the Lord for. Um, We have seen God miraculously feed hundreds of boys and us for years, um, which has been an absolute delight and joy and humbling experience to get to see the Father that way. Was there something in particular that shaped your decision to approach your ministry that way? Because, and the reason I ask that is because um, many, if not most, folks that would be starting a ministry in another country would put together a plan and a strategy to ask people for support so that they know that they'll have a place to live and a place food to eat and they'll have supplies for ministry. But you decided to do something different. Was there anything in particular that, I mean, that takes a lot of courage. That takes deep conviction. You didn't do that on a whim. No, that that was a really hard choice for us to actually follow through with because our parents and our elders of our church and people just thought, no, like you need to fundraise, you need to do it this way. And we just felt from the beginning that the Lord was going to make himself known in this ministry as a provider because these boys need him to be a provider for them. So we were going to be able to say to them, no, literally God has provided your food today. We did not (coughs) by any schemes or any, you know, Mm. logical way do this. Like this shows you promise that he loves you. This shows you panache that he loves you. And, and from there we were really convicted on it. And, um, Jacob, you could help me out by the gentleman's name, the book I'm blank. George, George Mueller. Mueller. Yeah. Thank you. It's to your right on the shelf right here. <laughs> yes. I was blanking on his name. I had read his book. Colleen had read one of his books, and he had operated a ministry like this um, in England, and it was really impactful for us, so we sacrificed that um, kind of vision to the Lord, and he confirmed it. And So beautiful. Um well, it's amazing. I give God praise for your obedience. I give God praise for your hard work in serving Him, and but not just serving Him, serving with Him. It's it's that's what's so beautiful about this work. Um, Jacob, mm-hmm. uh, I was so blessed to get to know you uh, as you were coming off uh, a missions experience of your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you and Devin are now married. Yes, happily. And you have a, a beautiful little girl named Pearl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, something happened to get you in Zimbabwe <laughs> to meet this amazing woman. Yeah. Um, can you just tell us how did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of things happen hindsight, and you don't necessarily know when you step out in faith what God's going to do. And so I feel that as I look back, it seems so clear. However, in the moment, they were just ordinary steps of faith that I saw God do incredible things that I'm still reaping the benefit from now. So I had done a year-long short-term trip uh, called the World Race. One of the countries I went to, ironically, or uh, providence of God, was Zimbabwe. 
during that time, uh, I had made some of my best friends on the world race, and they had a church that they were partnered with, Bulawayo Baptist Church, which you heard reference as Devin was sharing earlier of where she was partnered with. So this couple, they were always looking to set me as a single young man up with someone, um, but it did not happen while I was there on a short-term trip. I had finished that one-year uh, world race trip, was back in the States, getting involved at real life, plugging in here, working day to day. When I get a call from my best friend's wife saying, I found the woman <laughs> for you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Crystal, you've got to stop this. I'm, I'm good. Like I'm fulfilled in ministry, work's going well. You know, I, I don't think so. That's 5,842 miles away or something like that from Tennessee. So she said Tennessee. she found the woman for you, and she said in Zimbabwe. And she lives in Zimbabwe. Yeah. So you had, where, did, where did she meet? They were, they, they had, um, after the world race, they were asked to return okay. as the youth pastors to kind of revive a youth ministry in Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe at oh. the Baptist church, the same church that Devin was operating her ministry out of. So did you meet Devin on the world race? No, I met her pastor. Oh, wow. I met her running group and attended a running session with all of her friends. Um, and looking back, I was sick that day. <laughs> Devin was not there that day. And one of her really good friends there actually after that day that I ran with them said to Devin, I found a man that you would really be into who loves Jesus. And Devin dismissed it. And then five months later, we were introduced. Okay. So your friend calls you, I found the woman for you. Yeah. So then how many days, weeks, months later was it before you were like, okay, I'll meet the woman that you think is the woman for me? Well, so I dismissed it. And then I did what any other God-fearing young man would do. I went to her Facebook. And, uh, <laughs> and so I had to see, well played. you know. Well played. Yes. Um, so I, I dismissed it initially, and then it kind of kept staying with me. Uh, and and spent about two or three days praying about it. Also went to her Facebook. and was like, okay, she's, she's not hideous. I, I like the way she looks. Um, and so it was Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday which was April 1st, 2018. Wow. Went to church, you know, got home, turned on golf, was just sitting in the chair and was like, I'm going to message this girl that Crystal wanted to set me up with. So I sent her a message. um, And that was the start of us communicating, uh, which was we just had, that was five years ago this past week. Easter Sunday, 2018. Uh, Did you go to the brunch that we had that day or were you up at First Baptist Jolton with your family? Do you know? I believe I was at First Baptist Church, yeah, because we went to lunch with my grandmother after, so we did the whole family thing. Real Life had, that would have been the year that we launched, and we had like a brunch at the Sango Event Center that morning, and uh, and had like a little bit of a quasi-Easter worship service, but it was that that morning, what happened that day? I messaged Devin for the first time. Happy Easter, stranger. Happy Easter. (laughs) You're not hideous. Yes. (laughs) His words exactly. (laughs) All right. So then how long was it before you talked on the phone or FaceTimed or visited Zimbabwe? We FaceTimed a little over a week later. Okay. And at that point, um, we had just been sending long messages, one message a day, kind of like pen pals, answering the questions from the previous message and then asking additional questions for the other person. Yeah. So we did that for a little over a week and I said, we should video call sometime. So, so, so Devin, this was your friend had, at what point in time did you realize the guy that just messaged you was the guy that your friend was like, I found this great guy for you. Yeah. Did you know immediately? Was that all that clear? No, it wasn't clear. Okay. It wasn't until I showed my friend Lindsay Jacob's photo and she said, Devin, that's the guy I was talking about. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I said, oh, I thought you meant Crystal's husband, Eric, because I said, Lindsay, he's married. No. <laughs> um, but he, she was talking about Jacob. I'm always fascinated by this. What was your first reaction to a stranger messaging you? Crystal had prefaced it okay. beforehand. Okay. So she had asked me if I was even interested um, in dating. And because I was so wrapped up, at that point, we had seven, six boys living in our house. Oh, wow. So my, I did not have much capacity for anything else. Yeah. Um, and she wanted to be very cautious with and careful with my heart. 
um, which I really respected. So, so I knew ahead of time that I should be receiving some sort of message okay. from a guy named Jacob. <laughs> okay, okay. So then uh, how soon after that did you visit Zimbabwe, Jacob? It was about six months after. Okay. We did meet in person before then. Okay. Did you come to the States? Yeah, for okay. my mom's 60th okay. birthday. Okay. Yeah, so we did um, We did meet each other in the States. Uh, and then once we met in person, it was like, okay, this is really moving somewhere. And Because you guys really established a relationship online, mm-hmm. writing, talking, FaceTiming, mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. And I was very involved in ministry here with Real Life, uh, doing youth pastoring at Jolton and various ministries right. at that point. I remember that, yeah. And she was very involved in ministry. So it was like, okay, we have two paths. I don't necessarily see how they intersect apart from that initial message. Yeah. So if God is wanting me to join her, he's got to close doors. Yeah. And it was just kind of door after door began closing here and just feeling my heart opening up and softening, not just for the pretty girl that I Facebook messaged, but also for the ministry. Like I'm hearing updates from her and I'm just like, my heart is breaking over a need that is there for discipleship. Yeah. Well, I remember when you and I, we would meet up at Starbucks every now, I mean at Plumline every now and then. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember one of the earliest times you were telling me kind of what was going on. And I was, I just thought, you're young and crazy. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you that. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's ever, I'm sure you received that a lot. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But, um, and, um, it's so anyways, it, but it's remarkable what's happened to you guys because you guys, you guys fall in love. You guys commit your lives to one another in marriage and you join the ministry team in Zimbabwe. Um, and, uh, and you guys start your life there together. Yeah. When was that? When did you get married? We got married December 22nd, 2018. December 22nd, 2018. Yeah, coming up on five years. It was pretty wild because um, (laughs) we, uh, the day we launched Real Life, which was September 9th, Mm -hmm. 2018, at 9 Mm -hmm. a.m., we pulled you up on stage and prayed for you and commissioned you out to go to Zimbabwe. Yeah. Um, what I can't remember is, were you engaged by that time? Not yet. Yeah, wow. I was trying to figure out whether to travel with a ring or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you? I did not. Yeah. I, I uh, sought counsel yeah. by some older men, and they yeah. said, wait till you get there. If you need be, if need be, yeah. you can buy a ring there. Heck yeah. So I just... Yeah, Listen those, to that, and there's those bubblegum little machines everywhere, right? Absolutely, you know, pop a quarter in, and <laughs> Devin does not wear the ring that I got her from there, just so you know. That's so great. Um, yeah, you know when when I was when I was in seminaries, I, I started taking less classes to save up for an engagement ring for Susan, and so I I had I had boiled it down. I was only taking one class, and I was taking extra hours as I was working at Starbucks to make more money to save up for a ring. And I go and I speak at this thing, and this guy's leading worship. And uh, and I had said something about told him what I was doing, and he comes up after the event, and he says, the Lord told me I've got this engagement ring with this relationship that didn't go well, and he told me I need to give you this ring. Wow. And I'm like, I'm, I'm immediately conflicted because I'm like, oh, that sounds wonderful. Do I have to give her that ring, or can I cash it in, like on the <laughs> ring that she might want, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, I said, can I, do I have to use this ring or can I, are you okay if I sell it? He's like, oh yeah, whatever you want to do with it. That's so awesome. I cash that in. On, yeah. But isn't that amazing? Like God's provision of, yes. you know, it's like, it's like, it, it was such a hallmark of our marriage because I was like, look at this. We didn't even, I couldn't even get engaged to you without God providing. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like it's yeah. so, so beautiful. Okay. So you guys got married. How long did, have you guys lived in Zimbabwe? We lived there for the last four years. And you had a, a, a sweet little baby. Yeah, Pearl, and and uh, and God has now wrapped up that season of ministry for you. But our church has been blessed to get to partner with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've wrapped up that season, and there's something coming up. Can you just can you guys together maybe just tell us about how did God wrap that season up and what's ahead? Yeah, absolutely. That's um, it started with a lot of fasting and prayer. It started immediately in our home Mm. where Devin, as you heard 
originally wanted to do ministry among Muslims. Mm. God took that away to teach her endurance. Um, my story was a little different. I battled a lot with racism. Mm. And I don't know if there's people who need to hear that even listening to the podcast, but like there was a way that God softened and broke my heart for people that look different than me. Yeah. And the kind of next step in that was like God broke my heart for Muslims and not having a bias or a prejudice, but just really wanting to engage and love and share the hope of Jesus. And so that was my heart as we got married. So when we came together as a couple, we saw life in Zimbabwe, but we did not see a door beyond that, even though we both had passions for that. What was the, what were the predominant uh, religions there in Zimbabwe? Christianity and then cultural worship. Yeah. What do you mean by culture? Um, it would be s- levels of inquiring of the dead. So like necromancy, um, you can have um, witchcraft and passing your children through fire for protection. And so there's a lot of syncretism yeah. when it comes to uh, the ancestral worship combined with Christianity yeah. and prosperity gospel. Yeah. So Jacob just threw out a lot there, but syncretism would be the the attempt of blending two uh, religions together. Mm-hmm. So say, okay, we hear what you're saying about Jesus and Christianity. Well, that sounds good, but we want to we want to continue to you know to to dance around the fire and worshiping our ancestors. We want to bring these two together, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. So that was pretty uh, dominant there. But mm-hmm. God was stirring your heart for a Muslim context. Mm-hmm. So what happened next? We began fasting and praying as a family because we did not want to leave the ministry high and dry. We want to make sure yeah. it's sustainable and thriving and yeah. that there's peace in an organization setting for us to be sent out. Yeah. And so we, as we were praying and fasting, there was a specific time before COVID, so it must have been 2019, where we were really feeling burdened and starting to look beyond Zimbabwe. And we were saying, how can we do this and not ruffle the feathers of our team members? And that... One day that week that we were praying through that, a team member of ours came up and said, it's time for you guys to start looking beyond Zimbabwe of oh what God's calling you to wow, do. And we, it was just this piece of it's that time. Yes. Then COVID hits and ministry stripped back. So now we literally have time yes. to sit and pray and dream and join together as a couple and really date for the first time, not yeah, just yeah. consumed with ministry. Yes. And I think yes. our hearts were being prepared to kind of step back from Zimbabwe because it became sustainable without us being involved during that COVID time. Yeah. It's so honorable and I think right to want to um, solidify the ministry, to look beyond your time there to, you you know, whenever you go to a place, you, you want to be able to build structures and establish people and raise up, you know, people there on the ground so that when you leave, it can continue. That's a good mark of leadership. Sometimes it's that's it's hard to do. Sometimes you you're not able to do it. I remember when we were in New York, when our time wrapped up in New York City, someone, a dear mentor, messaged me, and I, and I think I there was there was a sense in which the longevity of the ministry in New York was kind of up in the air. It, it was really time will tell, and. You know, it planting a church in New York City is very different than planting a church in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it was just kind of uncertain. Is this thing going to last? You know, and it was a smaller church. And but one of my mentors sent me a note, and he just said, "This, the kingdom seeds that you have sown will not fail." Mm. And and what I love, and that was all he said. And what I loved about that was he had a picture of God's economy. It's different than our economy. And I think in, in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, one plants, another waters, and God gives the growth. You know, the harvest belongs to the Lord. And we have a role. And um, sometimes it's, I, I know in, at that time, I was so personally conflicted trying to leave New York, feeling responsible. And that was such a good word for me that I had fulfilled my calling. I had fulfilled planting the seeds. Uh, the, the whole harvest, it, it belonged to God. And um, But you guys, mm-hmm. God graced you 
with as you're praying and fasting, you've got a teammate that comes up and confirms this. God established it in their heart without you even having to introduce the idea. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. That must have been a great relief to you. Yes. And yeah. um, and so then you guys begin to take steps to transition. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've been praying. You've been meeting with different mission organizations. So um, at some point in time in the near future, we're going to take this podcast offline. Mm-hmm. You're going to come up and you're going to search for it and you're not going to be able to find it because we're going to have deleted it. And the reason that we're going to have deleted it is because we've used your names. We've called you missionaries. You're going to North Africa. Um, and in order for you to be able to effectively fulfill that calling, uh, it's it's wise and strategic to not have these terms with your names attached with the locations that you're going so that you can get on the ground and not be kicked out of the country. Mm-hmm. So that you can continue your work and not have have your lives threatened in a hostile environment, um, and so uh, so as folks uh, maybe visit our website a year from now, they might find your first names, and they might find a region that you serve in, and they might have overseas worker listed. They may not find it at all. Um, but you'll refer to yourself as an overseas worker. Um, over the last few months, you've been dialing into different mission organizations. You've been interviewing with them. Mm-hmm. You've been kind of determining who are you going to go with and where are you going to go. So what has the Lord revealed to you in, in this season? Yeah, so um, we are going to go with an organization called Frontiers, um, and they work primarily with Muslim unreached people groups all throughout the world. Um, and so we did a two-week training with them recently, and we have that just confirmed. The Lord confirmed that with us as a great organization to go with. Um, so we're in the process of that. We're going to be in Clarksville for the next probably year or so as we kind of gear up to join a team to then relaunch. So if real, life, if real lifers are hearing your story and they're like, oh my goodness, I want to know more. Could they take you guys out to eat and you share more of your story with them? We love food. Yeah. <laughs> and we like talking. So yeah. it's win-win. So I'm so excited that you guys are going to be in our church family locally, and we're going to have an opportunity to send you on out. But if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I've always had a passion for missions, or if you've got a college student that's listening to this, and they can go to Frontier's website right now and learn about all the global opportunities to follow the Lord Jesus to the ends of the earth. Yes. Okay, so Frontiers is the organization. Um, Super exciting that the Lord has kind of clarified that for you. In the region that you're going to would be? North Africa. Now, all that could change, but this is what it seems to be unfolding. And if you talk to us privately, we can mention exactly where we're going. Um, But for security purposes, we're just not going to online. Yeah. So you mentioned the term unreached uh, people groups. Um, can you define that for us? Do you have a good definition for someone might have just heard that phrase unreached people group? What is an unreached people group? Yeah, unreached people groups are groups of people, um, so indigenous to a country individuals who have not been reached for the gospel. So, yeah, so that's a, I would add to that uh, an ethno linguistic group mm-hmm. that has a less than 2% uh, gospel presence. Mm-hmm. So around the world, when you identify a, an ethno-linguistic group uh, in a particular place and there's less than a 2% gospel presence, that's what we've used to, de- to describe the term. You, you used a little more of a layman's term to help us understand mm-hmm. it. I took us a little step toward more technical. So all around the world, you know, there's, this, there's this principle that the Apostle Paul said, I want to I engage in ministry where no one else has laid a foundation. He wanted to pioneer. He wanted to go to places where the gospel was not prevalent. He wanted to go plant churches where the gospel, there was not a robust gospel ministry. And so that's where the emphasis of unreached people groups has come from for us is we think, okay, there's a lot of places we could go. We could go to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, which is a harvest area right now because there's people are coming out of Catholicism left and right in droves, but there's a robust gospel presence. Mm-hmm. 
But the Lord's burden your heart to go to a, a predominantly Muslim area in an unreached area where there's not a strong gospel presence. Why, why go there? The vast majority of overseas workers or missionaries are in places that already have active presence of the gospel. Uh, I won't use exact statistics, but it will be in the 80 to 90 percent of missionaries are working in already represented gospel areas. Yes, yeah, so say that again. 80 to 90 percent of missionaries are in places and regions where the gospel has already been for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. So between 10 and 20% are going to unreached people groups. Yeah, so the regions are more friendly to the gospel. They're more friendly to churches. They're not as dangerous to take the gospel. Um, But the Lord is directing you guys to a place unreached. Why? Because they matter. Like, just like the boys matter, just like your neighbors matter. They matter to God. They they're the Imago Dei. They are made in his image. And right now, people are taking their last breath. Like, and if we really I don't want to use this as like a preaching moment, but like Come if on, we if we back. really, really take a moment to to just think about it, like 60 seconds, someone just died who mm-hmm. doesn't know Jesus yeah. when I could go when you could go when your kids could go and impact that soul for eternity to where they and their people group are worshiping around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty in their native tongue. That is why we go. We open the scriptures. We see the urgency that we need to be prepared at any moment for Jesus to come back. And that's why we go, because we don't know the day or the hour. We just know that he's important and she's important and their kids and their families and their grandparents and and that we want them with us in heaven. That's why we go. It's such a powerful, inspiring picture. Jacob, what were you going to say? Yeah, I think the verses that encompass this and just put a bow on that is when Paul surrenders his earthly rights in 1 Corinthians 9. Like, he's entitled to good foods. He could eat bacon. He is surrendering these rights so that individuals might know Christ. Paul says, I have become all things to all men that by all means some might know him. Like, Paul surrenders where he could live in the comfort of his own home Mm. Continuing to worship God, not compromising his salvation, but he surrenders comfort Mm. so that others might be able to enter into this family. And for me, just real quick, like your sermon series about in Haggai, like when the people are so consumed with their own houses that they're not seeing that God's house is in ruins. And I just feel so much of that ties into this missionary calling that if we can just really just take a moment to recognize the billions of people on this planet, like in that they they are made in God's image and it's lying, quote unquote, in ruins. Yeah. And yet we're focused on ourselves and, yeah. you know, all the things yeah. that we can get wrapped up in um, when their house is lying in ruins. Yeah. I'm, I'm so inspired by your faith. I just, I'm so strengthened by hearing you answer the question, why? Why go to a dangerous, unreached people group? You know, and the naysayers, I'm sure, are plenty, whether they speak that to you or not, uh, of those that would say, you're never going to reach them. You're never going to have an impact. They're never going to listen to you. How would they, you know, it's so closed there. It's so dark there. It's so, they're so hardened there. Um, and I just think this, this, this Holy Week, is we think about what did Jesus do? Mm-hmm. Well, well, Jesus left the glory of heaven, a place that was home and comfortable. And he came to a place where people were hostile to him. And some received him, but others were hostile mm-hmm. unto his death. And, and so I, 
I, I think what a beautiful picture this Holy Week and getting to talk with you guys this week, Monday, Thursday of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is Good Friday. And you're embodying what the Lord Jesus did. The Lord Jesus leaves a place and goes to a place because people mattered, because we mattered, because our podcast listeners mattered to him. And he came and gave his life. He gave his life for us as a as an offering, as a sacrifice, knowing that a great glory was going to come through his resurrection. Hallelujah. We've got eternal life to proclaim to the ends of the earth, to the dark places, uh, to the nations. But um, this is so, so wonderful. I, you know, podcast listeners may be putting these pieces together, but if they're not, I want to draw this out for them. Um, Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about our time on Sunday mornings. And for most people, the most prominent piece of that is we're going to build a building. and uh, But I don't want this to be lost on real lifers of we have one ministry vision in our time. These commitments that people are making to sacrifice, it's funding and fueling all of our ministry locally and around the world. So, so I'm so fired up that every commitment that's made this Sunday is going to help send you guys to a difficult place. We're so fired up about standing behind you guys as overseas workers, as missionaries, and um, and it's, it's because of the fire that burns in your bones and because of the resolve and the commitment to go to this place with the gospel. So thank you for obeying the Lord and go into these difficult places. My hope, my hope is that the Holy Spirit will use your story right now as people are listening to to jolt them out of a cultural Christianity, to cause them to be more fervent, to pray for missions and to give to missions and to go, whether it's across town to real life Fort Campbell to help uh, them get established there on a, you know, on a workday project, or whether it's to you know, to, to perhaps visit you all in North Africa and, and go on a prayer walk, you know, around the neighborhood that you live in in a couple of years. And, uh, and, and, and perhaps to call someone else to go overseas as they hear your story and they think, I never dreamed that I could. But in hearing this faith of, for Devin, it started when she was 22 and now they've gotten married and now they're taking their daughter to a, an unreached people group to live among Muslims and um, my hope is that seeds are being planted right now mm-hmm. um, that will, in God's perfect timing, grow to send people to the ends of the earth as well. Isn't that the way God does it often? Yes. Yes. He yes. uses a story. He uses a trip. He uses an experience. Um, so this is super exciting. Is you guys, you guys have been able to, to be with us uh, several Sundays as we've been talking about our time. Can you just speak from your hearts about why it's meaningful to you that our church would would commit to stand behind you prayerfully, financially, as you prepare to go to a hard place in the world? Mm, yeah, I think so often the church, specifically in the West, can be divorced from missions. It's just something they can slap a check down and, okay, now go. But we are encouraged that we are integrated as one body with real life from its infancy to where yes. it is now yes. and to where it will go. Yes. You know, and I think we are encouraged that we get to be directly involved. And this time back in the States, especially while we're here in person, is something unbelievably special to our hearts. And this one time vision is encouraging to us as well that we are not trying to like come alongside and battle or teeter-totter with a church vision of building a building and then us as missions on the bottom, like never outweighing that. But like they're integrated. Like that is what Real Life Sango is about as one vision. Like we are a body unified with many moving parts. Yes. We have three pillars that we've articulated. It's, It's our time to equip and empower every generation. It's our time to build and establish roots. But don't miss this. It's our time to send mm. and multiply. And so um, a, a significant portion of our budget as we move forward is dedicated to helping you guys 
get to where the Lord is leading you. And I'm so fired up about that. Um, but I want our people to understand the significance of that. And, you know, as I think about a building, I think about, listen, we're going to encounter the presence of God in worship. And just like he burdened your heart and just like he burdened your heart, there's going to be young people and old people alike that encounter God in worship. And as they do, they capture his heartbeat for the nations. They encounter God in worship in this building that we're going to build, and they end up going to the nations. But don't miss this. Our time right now is not just about building a building so that people encounter God and go to the nations. Our time is about us sending our very own, Jacob and Devin and Pearl, to the ends of the earth with the gospel. I'm so fired up about that. Hmm. Devin, any closing thoughts as we as we wrap up in terms of what does it mean to you to have a local church that's that's so eager and so fired up to help send you to to go and fulfill the calling God has on your life? Going can often be a very lonely thing. Um, so it is really comforting to know that we have a body of Christ who really supports us, not financially, but prayerfully. Um, I think we really appreciate your prayers. We appreciate resources too, but like know that we really covet your prayers. Um, and so we're just grateful to be a part of the body for this next year here locally um, and would love, love to be involved in your life. Yeah, I'm, I want to invite real lifers that are listening to the podcast sometime in the next several months to grab you guys and go to coffee, to grab you guys and have you over for dinner, to take you out to eat, and to be intentional, not just get to know you guys, but to pray for you, mm. to pray for you in your future ministry. Because I can only imagine if we take the next year and if we gather you in small settings and real lifers just take the initiative to get to know you and pray for you, and in three years on your hardest day, and you reflect back about so-and-so praying for you in that awesome moment that so-and-so prayed for you, and the Lord brings back to your mind something that someone prayed for you, um, how that can help fuel you on those dark and difficult days, the lonely days or the overwhelming days or the days where you feel like you're just you're, you're, you're trying to till very hard soil. Thank you guys for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, this was a treat. If folks want to reach out to you today, is there an email address that they could shoot you an email at? Yeah, you can send me a email. That'd be great. Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R, Jacob, the number zero, at gmail.com. Great. We'll put this in the show notes. Yeah. And again, this podcast will only be around for a couple of months because when you guys begin the formal process with Frontiers, we're going to take this offline. Um, so don't waste any time. If you've got a friend that needs to hear this podcast today, share it with them. If you've got a real lifer that needs to be fired up about our time being not just about the building, but about missions, share this with them. Um, if, uh, you know, if, if you need to reach out to Jacob and Devin today and to say, I want to, I want to pray for you, um, then reach out to him today. I want to pray for you right now. And, um, happy Monday, Thursday, this Holy Week, mm -hmm. Jacob and Devin. Thank you for walking in such spirit-filled obedience. Father, we bless you today. We pray in Jesus' name and by your Holy Spirit. Father, it's from you and through you and to you are all things. Lord, we say with John the Baptist, we are unworthy to bend down and unbuckle the, the sandal straps off the feet of King Jesus. Lord, we cannot bow low enough to exalt you high enough, but Lord, we love you today because you've loved us with your vast, perfect, unfailing love. It's so personal. It's so powerful. Lord, your love has transformed us from the inside out. It's satisfied our deepest longings. Your love heals us and makes us whole. It's your love and knowing you, God, that makes us fully human. And we thank you, God, for the privilege of being made in your image and knowing you personally. And Lord, this, this missionary fire that Jacob and Devin had shared with us um, so sincerely, so authentically from their hearts today, may it burn in our hearts, God. Father, I pray that their passion and their vision, Lord, it's been transferred into our hearts today a little bit. That, Lord, we just uh, may, may not be able to shake what we've heard here today. That you might um, lead us into new places of studying what you're doing around the world and understanding your global movement of people coming to know you. Thank you, God, that your church is on the advance around the world. And sometimes in North America it may look bleak, but, Lord, we know 
that the gates of hell will not stand against your church and that your church is advancing around the world in stunning measure. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray your greatest provision for Jacob and Devin in these days. We pray your protection over them. We pray that their marriage would be strengthened. Lord, bless them with good communication. Lord, I pray mold them into the image of Jesus. God, I pray that you would refresh them and renew them and restore them, and you would prepare them for the next assignment, for the next season of ministry and mission. Um, Father, we know you're going to do this, so we thank you ahead of time. Lord, it's it's in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray today. Amen. 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 Jacob and Devin, I just have one question for you. What time is it? Our, Our time. time. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.